It's uh, good, good cop, bad cop. He got to give you the, the, the bad news about fasting, and uh, I get to come up and talk to you about beholding Jesus. So uh, open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just get to your app, whatever you need to do. I do want to encourage you to really look at the Bible yourself. It's, it changes things. Um, I want to also encourage you, just, I'm just on a, a mission uh, from the Lord to encourage everyone to bring paper Bibles. So I'm going to tell you where to get, and then we're going to do something special. Get to, uh, just go to Exodus 19. Just do that. That's an easy one to find too. So, but before we jump into the message, we, uh, we believe that God's heart for church is that church should look and feel like family. Yeah, you can, yeah that's, that's, that's worth celebrating. Now, what I said a couple weeks ago, you also have to acknowledge that family is ugly. Okay, it's not easy to be family. It's not perfect to be family. I'm not saying you're ugly. I'm not saying your family's ugly. I'm saying it gets ugly uh, if you're going to be family together. And, uh, and you have to be willing to, to do that. All that aside, sometimes family moves to a different part of the world, and you don't get to just have them in the living room every every morning or every Sunday, and Madeline Kennedy is moving to Waco. So uh, it's, it's bittersweet um, because we love you, Madeline. And uh, she just, she got, she graduated and uh, got a job in Waco. The cool thing is, if you know the Kothmans who just moved to Waco, she's going to be living with them. That's still the, the plan, right? Okay. Uh, so she, it's, it's just a see you later. It's not a absolute goodbye. But Madeline, would you mind? And, and friends, uh, we can't all come up to the front. I know everybody loves Madeline, but if you're really close to Madeline, have, uh, just love her. Bring her up together. Let's do this together, okay? We're going to pray for her because this will be her last Sunday for a while. And we love Madeline. Yeah, so Jesus, we just thank you for friends. We thank you for this daughter of the house. Lord, as much as we love her, we know that your love for her just absolutely swallows our love, Lord God. Your love for her is greater than the oceans. Lord God, you love Madeline. We love Madeline. We thank you for the years we got to run close together. And Lord, we just together as a family, we rejoice even though we have to uh, release her to, to, to rejoice. So we, we rejoice and we bless her future. And we just say thank you that where she's going in the hospital that she's working in, she's gonna be a light She's going to be, bring the joy of Jesus. She's going to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. She's going to comfort families and little, little kids and moms and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles, Lord, that you are sending her into this sphere, Lord, to be Jesus to people. And so we thank you that just her smile alone, Lord, would, would pen, penetrate the, even the hardest heart, that her shadow will heal, Lord, that her presence will change the atmosphere in the room. And so we just thank you that not only is she going, you're going with her, Lord. And so we bless Madeline. We bless her future. And we thank you for, for, her, for her 
just all that she's all that she is and all that she represents is a lover of Jesus. And we and we just bless her out in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we, we've got to change the trajectory, guys, because we've had like four Sundays in a row praying people out. Okay? So here's the deal. If you have to leave, you have to send someone to take your place. Okay? Because we are going to miss Madeline. But we'll see her again. Waco's not too far. All right? Okay. I'm not going to do as much of a recap of last week, but we are in a second uh, week of our series called Behold. Uh, this, this Sunday, we're talking about Jesus as our treasure. We just say a few things uh, from last week that will maybe bring you up to speed if, if you weren't here. And, and we said this, that uh, discipleship begins with beholding. It's, it's the beginning point. Um, the, one of the things I emphasized last week is that I, I, we want to replace the word trying with beholding. Oftentimes, we don't consciously do this, but unconsciously, uh, when we think about uh, seeing transformation in our life, we just try harder. If I do this more, if I do that less and, and keep at it, maybe I'll see some change in my life. Um, but but we, we see in, in 2 Corinthians, I'll uh, read it in just a second, that transformation comes through beholding, beholding the Lord. Um, so here's some things that we said last week that were just truths that I wanted to set inside of our hearts. Uh, I already you know, said that discipleship begins with beholding that God designed to reveal himself in the person of Jesus. This is, that's the way God chose to reveal himself. And that the person of Jesus is revealed primarily through the scriptures. That's important. Jesus himself in, the, in his risen body, as he's walking on the, the road to Emmaus with the disciples, takes the disciples through the scriptures to reveal himself. That amazes me, that if Jesus were here today, he would be taking us through the scriptures to reveal himself, even if he were standing here. So this is how he's chosen to reveal himself to us, and he is the word. He's not just taking a book and using it, he is the word. And I know that's kind of, that breaks your brain, but um, it just is what it is. God designed this age to form a people who will become his companion. That's, that's the, the work that this is unto. It's unto companionship, being his bride. We are called to become like him, not just act like him. Now, as you become like him, you will certainly act like him. But this is not just behavior management, uh, and we call it discipleship or Christianity. This is becoming it's more of a metamorphosis. As a, as a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it's a completely new transformation. And that's this idea of beholding unto transformation from glory to glory to glory. And so it's okay. Let me just say this as a side note. If you're reading your Bible and you don't get revelation that knocks you on the floor and blows your hair off and, and your socks and, and you just... Man, it, it feels like you now you could write a book about this revelation. If you get one of those revelations, it might be one, two, three in a lifetime. Go for it every time. But oftentimes, I think it's, it's layer by layer. It's little by little. It's precept upon precept. It's glory to glory. And so don't be 
um, discouraged if, if you're just getting a little bit of revelation as, as you read. We're, we're seeing, you know, Jesus, because even just a little bit will mess you up for a lifetime in, a, in, in the best way possible. So, um, and then if you want more, stay in the word, meditate on it, abide in it. And, and it's, it's abiding in him. It's this, uh, it's, it's beyond just information. So uh, we, we saw that last week we talked about Mount Sinai and Mount Sinai and, and the encounter there that God wanted. God, so what you know happened with Moses, right? Most of us have heard the story. He goes up to the mountain. His, his face shines so bright he has to cover it up. That's what God wanted to have happen with the entire nation. The invitation was for a people to come and behold him and be transformed by beholding. That's how Moses was changed. Moses didn't go up and just go to Bible school on how to get a glowing face. He beheld the glowing one. He went up on the mountain and the invitation was for the entire church, the, so to speak, right? The, the people of God, the Israelites. It's still the same today. The invitation is for the church to behold him, for the church to hear his voice. We're now a kingdom of priests. But this, this, this thread that's it's continued to kind of hang around since Moses, and still it's, it's alive and well in the church today, is that we send the professionals to gaze for us and come back and tell us what the Lord is saying. And that will never be enough to transform you and me. So yes, have your favorite podcasts, but that's not enough to, to experience transformation. It's, it's like a vitamin, we said. You don't push the steak aside and just take the four pills that match the vitamins. Your, your podcasts are, are supplements, but there's a steak here in the word of God, bread of life that, that you and I have to make space to behold him ourselves. And the invitation is for all of us to behold him. So we said this, that transformation is the goal, not just a transfer of information. And I'm not taking away from the transfer of information because we need information, right? But, but this scripture should lead you to a person, the revelation of a living one. He is the word and, and him and his word are not separate. So we're not just gathering Bible facts uh, about the Lord. We want to see him in the scriptures. As you read the Old Testament, put on your Jesus lenses and look for Jesus. Amen. Amen. I was waiting for it. I was going to wait you guys out um, because it's not about Jesus because I say it's about Jesus. Jesus says it's about him. He, he says that to the disciples and he takes them from Moses to the prophets and he reveals himself. The entire Bible is a revelation of Jesus. That's what it's about. It's not to help you have a better, be the best you. Now you will be the best you in Jesus, but it's a revelation of Jesus. It's not just Bible hacks for a better life. It's the revelation of God to mankind. Okay, so we want everyone to have a better life, but that's, it's, that's not the main point. So here's the, the key verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, that's all of us, with unveiled face. If you are a believer in Jesus, when you turn to Jesus, Jesus removed the veil so you could see him. And 
But don't get too proud that you turned to him because the only reason you turned to him was because he drew you, okay? So he, he's, he's amazing and he loves us. He removes the veil when we turn to him. And so beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Pinch yourself, look at your neighbor and say, same image. Whose image are we talking about? From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord, that you and I, now that our, our face has been unveiled as we turn to Jesus, are being transformed into the same image of Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that, that doesn't happen because you try harder. It doesn't happen because you've been a Christian longer. It doesn't happen because you know more about the Bible, although know more about the Bible, know more of the Bible. But you could be a professor of the Bible and not be transformed into his image. It's, it's the truth. And so Jesus said that to the Pharisees. You search, you study, you memorize the scriptures, but they're actually about me and you refuse to come to me. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the scriptures. And so he wants us to come to him and this is a revelation of him. You and I should be falling more in love with Jesus the more we read our Bible. If you're getting more angry, more argumentative, more mean, more right all the time, you're not coming to Jesus. You're just getting Bible information that's puffing your head up. And I'm not saying because I think that's, that's anyone here. I'm just saying that's what scripture says, that knowledge alone puffs up. But with the spirit of God, it actually humbles us the, the more that we see of Jesus because we see his deep love for us, unmerited. Okay, so now we're into this week. Okay, Jesus, our treasure. And let me just start with this statement. God is forming a people who become like him by beholding him. That's, that's the series in a nutshell. God is forming a people who become like him by beholding him. We're gonna get into in a couple weeks of ways that we can behold, but I didn't wanna start there. I wanted to build a case of beholding, that, that it's actually God's, God's chosen method of transformation. He wants us to slow down and look at him. And that when we do, we're transformed from glory to glory into the same image that we're looking at. And that's really what happens when we worship. This is why the enemy wants your worship and he wanted Jesus's worship, is he wants people to become like him instead of like God. You become what you worship. And we all worship something, even the person that says, I don't worship anything. They probably worship themselves and don't know it. But we are worshipers at our core. It's who we are. Topher gave a message a few weeks ago on the beauty of God. You were designed to be enamored by the beauty of God, you and I, and to worship him, that our response would be he's so beautiful, so amazing, so fascinating that we, we would just want to behold. And when I say beautiful, I'm not just talking about facial features. His nature, his character, his leadership, his judgment, everything he does is wonderful and good and, and kind and generous. He's loving. He's beautiful. 
And if you want to know an example of, you know, what can take that place, sometimes our hobbies can become more beautiful to us. Sometimes our careers, our dreams, um, even ministry and, and other things can take the place of, of him. If, if you're living uh, in a way, and, and I did for a long time, that Jesus was a means to an end, then you know something else is more beautiful. So if I, if I come to Jesus, but I kind of use him to get the other treasure that I want, I really want this career, or I really want my kids to serve the Lord, or I, I really want, you know, to, to have, you know, this ministry uh, impact in life. I really want to, I want others to think this, like we can use him. And that just means something else has become more beautiful, a lesser lover, because you're going to find beauty in something. That's, you were wired that way. So go back and listen to Topher's message. Okay, so the blueprint for discipleship is Jesus. Jesus is the blueprint. That sounds like a no-brainer, but uh, it, when I met Jesus in the mid-90s, I was two. Just kidding. Uh, I was 19. Uh, Y'all were like, oh, really? Um, there, there was this idea that discipleship was on you. You better be a good follower of Jesus and have your act together because the people you're discipling are going to replicate you. Talk about pressure. <laughs> you better get it together because whatever, uh, you know, compromise or sin that's in your life, you're just going to replicate it in another. It was a monumental thought and idea to hear and a, and a liberating one to hear that we're not making disciples of ourselves. We're making disciples of Jesus. Jesus is the disciple maker. Jesus was discipled by his father himself. He only did what, you know, he saw the father doing and only spoke what he heard the father saying. That's what discipleship looks like. And so this, this whole idea of of discipleship is, is about Jesus. It begins with him. He's the blueprint. We want to become like him. This is the work that, that God is up to, and it, it's happening by beholding. Look at Ephesians 1. This is the apostolic prayer of Paul for the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can win every spiritual argument with those that don't believe. No, that's not what it says. It says that he may give to you, so I'm just making sure y'all ain't just kicking it in neutral this morning. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Oftentimes we've made it about our calling, but he's saying, the revelation is about his calling and the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Now, this is unbelievable. It's almost unbelievable. It's believable, but it's, it's amazing that Paul is saying to a very healthy church in Ephesus, I'm praying that your eyes would be opened by the Holy Spirit, that you would be able to know God. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers, sincere followers saying, there's more. There's more. 
there's more. How do you know there's more? Because for all eternity, we'll be seeing him afresh. You're not going to get bored with God when we're with him in the fullness of his presence. Every, every moment's going to be new revelation. It's not just going to be like good old boy Jesus over there. It's, we're going to, worship is going to be the, the, the response of the heart. And that doesn't have to start then. It starts now. And he, he's revealing himself through his word. And Paul is praying this. I pray that the spirit would give you wisdom and revelation to know him. We say it this way, it takes God to know God. You and I need the Holy Spirit to reveal God to us. So it actually takes the pressure off of you. You just have to make yourself available. It's like going sailing instead of rowing. If you're rowing the boat, it's on you. How far you get and how fast you go, it's on you. And how many buddies you can get to get an oar and get in the boat. But if it's, if it's, if you're depending on the wind and you're in a, in a sail boat or a catamaran, then your role is just to lift the sails. God's got to bring the wind. He's got to bring the current and the water and you just cooperate at that point. So the pressure is not on you to get revelation. You and I just put ourselves before the word and behold him. And just like even Andrew shared, I kind of didn't even have a whole lot of faith that I was going to get some revelation. But he put himself before he raised the sail and the Holy Spirit said. And I'm like, "Ooh, that's good. I'm going to say that in a couple weeks when everyone's forgotten and Andrew said it. And you're going to think that I got it. Just kidding. Okay. so but the, the revelation is to know him. And to also know uh, the hope of his calling. Not, and I, I could unpack his calling this morning. I'm not going to. And the glory of his inheritance. And he tacks us on that God's inheritance is you. <laughs> what makes God rich is that he's getting you. That has to be revealed to you. What what. What he's excited about is the wedding that's coming and the companion that he's getting. And so God has a dream and a desire and he's forming a people on the earth that care more about his calling than their own. And they love him so much. They want to give him whatever he wants. And what he wants is a companion. The church is often guilty of looking for direction, but the Lord is seeking affection. It's what he wants. And so he's, he's pulling together a people that say, God, I want to have deeper revelation of your calling. I want to give my life to fulfill, fulfill your calling. And I want to understand how you see yourself as rich by getting me. And you could say it this way, your little song your little yes to him, your, your little sharing of the gospel at the store because you love Jesus makes him rich. It moves his heart. He loves it. You move the heart of God and you, that has to be revealed and continually revealed and revealed again. Oftentimes when we debrief after our prayer sets, we want to we wanna mine out. What was God saying? What was he authoring faith for? What was he doing? And we're asking questions of each other and we want to we wanna find those things out. So we do like a 15 minute debrief that often turns into 30 minutes sometimes because we're just getting the gold out of what God was doing. And oftentimes God's just reminding us 
I love this. I love this. When you were singing your song, I loved it. It was moving my heart. I keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. I love it. And he's, it's basically him revealing to us his inheritance in us. That our little yes moves his heart. Our little obedience moves his heart. You ever share the gospel and you feel like you got happier? <laughs> right? If you're not happy, share the gospel with someone. You'll get happy. And it's, it's this, like God just revealed, like, oh, I love it. It moved my heart when you did that. I know you were nervous and scared, but you did it anyway. And, and he loves it. It moves his heart. He cares. So God is forming a people. You are those people. We are those people. Wrote a few things about these types of people. These people are people that see Jesus as the pearl of great price. We'll read that verse in just a second. These are people who care more about Jesus than themselves. Revelations 12, 11. The bride that Jesus is returning for, it says this about the bride. She'll not love her own life unto death. That's not going to be because you decided to get super committed to Jesus and attend church every Sunday, although do that. It's going to be because you got struck by love, that you, you are so marked by the love of God that even if you have to lay your life down, literally lay it down, there's going to be such a love, an active love in your life. This, it says this about the end time church. She won't love her own life unto death. That's a lovesick bride right there. That's not a, just a soldier who's going to, you know, just die because... I mean, there's, there's that aspect there of like, I'm going to soldier for the Lord, but it's, it's, really, it's really a lover. And you, you guys understand love. Like, take any mom in here and put her baby in a compromising situation. She will wrestle that alligator with one arm and turn it into a purse afterwards to save her baby. She will put that fire out with her own skin to save that baby. It's not because she went to fire class on how to put out fires and how to wrestle alligators. It's because of love. And the love that the Holy Spirit's gonna continue to shed abroad in our hearts as we behold him is gonna make us love sick, love struck, willing to do anything, willing to go anywhere, willing to spend whatever it costs. We won't care anymore. We won't be holding on to this life. We'll say like Paul, my life is not dear to me anymore. Our lives are too dear to us right now. There's, there's, some, there's some releasing and surrender that has to happen. And the Holy Spirit's committed to help us. I said th this to the Holy Spirit uh, last week. Help me to not value my life so much. I'm not suicidal. I just, I feel little hooks in me sometimes of things that I'm like, oh, that has more of a hold on me than I want. God, would you take it out? I can't, can't do it myself that, you know, this uh, fear of man, I see it show up in this situation or wanting to please this person. And so I shrink back from, you know, an ex a full expression of loving God. I'm like, oh God, I value my life way too much. Would you help me to say like Paul, I don't count my life dear. Help us, Holy Spirit. We need his help. 
So in the church, if, if you could be a professor of, of the scriptures and not be transformed by him, then obviously, and I, the last thing I ever want to do is to demean you knowing and reading and devouring your Bibles. Read your Bible every day, all the time, in between classes, going from here to there, listen to it, read it, memorize it, sing it, pray it, do it all. Feed on it all the time. But know that, that the maturity that, or the, the transformation that we're looking for, it's measured by, by the degree to which you resemble Jesus. So when you realize that's the measuring stick, I don't know about you, it humbles me real quick. I could preach, maybe you're a little impressed because I know some scriptures, but the way I treat my kids at home is a better indicator of how much I love Jesus. The way that I tip the rude waiter is a better indicator. If you're like, oh, they're rude, they get a dollar. Come on, man. They're making $2 an hour. I think we can tip them a little more if just for love's sake. I don't know why I gave that specific one. Well, I do know why, because for a long time, uh, if you talk to, and I ask waiters this all the time, what's the worst day for tips? They say Sunday afternoon. It's like, oh. So, double your tip if they weren't that good. No, it's, it's actually a good opportunity to go. And uh, this, this happened with a friend of mine. It was a group of pastors and the, the, the waitress was just being overly over the top, rude, disrespectful, huffing and puffing. Like, you know, probably been working all day, probably single mom, probably struggling, whatever. Maybe none of those things, maybe all those things. And uh, one of the pastors, the, the pastors were kind of mumbling and grumbling among themselves. But one of the pastors who had the heart of God in this situation, and grace, grace on all of us. I haven't always responded well in those situations. I'm not saying I'm the biggest tipper of the root, to the rude waiter, um, but just that we, we love people well. And, and so he took a $100 bill at the end of the meal, and he preached the gospel with it. And he said, I want you to have this. And she said, you know I don't deserve that. He said, I know. And it represents the mercy of God because God gives us what we don't deserve. And he gave me Jesus. He ends up ministering to her, praying for her. She was a Christian. She was having a bad day. But it, the opportunity, instead of mumbling, grumbling, and going to the, to the you know, manager and getting her you know, fired, he ministered the love of God to her. Help us, Holy Spirit, right? Help us. Because maturity is measured by the degree to which you resemble Jesus. It's so humbling. It's so humbling. So I want to just read a few scriptures. I'm not going to read them all for the sake of time. But there are, there are some promises in the scriptures. And what I'm going to do, y'all hold me accountable. I'm just going to read the verse and not preach on it. If I start preaching on it, y'all just start yelling, shouting. Okay, like, hey, 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 hey. Okay. I'm just going to read the scripture. Help me, Holy Spirit. I need your help right now. But these are promises of ways that we'll become like God that are mind-blowing. We may not even 
believe them at this point or even ever thought of them. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we, sh- we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. This is so hard. Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Last one, 1 Corinthians 16. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are we who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. John 1 says, we haven't been born of man or the will of flesh, but we've been born of God. (laughs) We've been born of God. When I first met Jesus, band, you guys can come on up. I didn't know what happened. I, I knew that I'd been forgiven. I, I, I understood the gospel, but I really didn't know. And, and I asked someone, uh, they're like, hey, you, you're born again now. And I, I, knew, I didn't have language for what happened is what, what, what I'm trying to say. I knew that it felt like a piano had been lifted off my back. Uh, I knew that I loved God. And all of a sudden I had this love for people that I didn't know and felt like, it, you know, he just wanted to walk around and hug everyone and kiss everyone and, and pray for everyone and not not on the lips, on the cheek. Uh, but, but I knew something had happened inside, and, and someone said, uh, yeah, you've been born again. I didn't know that was a term that m- many Christians knew or didn't know, and, and so, but I'm calling all my friends. None of them are Christians. Man, and I thought they were going to be so excited for me. You know it's a while back if I'm holding the phone like this, too, by the way. Um, so, man... I'm a born-again Christian. That's what it sounded like on the other end of the line. Like, they didn't know what to think. And I didn't know exactly what had happened, but I knew that new life had come. What I didn't know, and I know now, is that I had been born of God. And if you're born of God, which you are if you put your faith in Jesus, you're a new creation, and now the Holy Spirit is inside of you to make you look like Jesus in your motives, in your intents, God will always go after the motive more than he will the action. He cares more about the motive. So you can be doing right things for wrong reasons and the Holy Spirit goes, uh-uh, we're not done yet. <laughs> he wants to work on us and change us by the spirit that dwells inside of you. The Holy Spirit is committed to this end. So what's the whole role of what God is doing? I said it earlier, I'll sum it up again, that God is producing an equally yoked companion that he's returning for, a people who are like him. That's, that's hard to believe that God would, would be able to do such a work in us that we are a, a ready companion for God. 
But it's going to take God to get us there. But it's going to come from a people that give themselves to beholding. And just to give you a little bit of teasers, we behold in the word. We behold today in song. We behold in the body. We behold in prayer. We behold by looking at creation. We behold by memorizing, singing, looking at him through the word. There's lots of different ways we behold him. And we just give ourselves to these things to, to know him more, to know his heart, to know what he likes, what he cares about, what motivates him, what makes him tick. Why is he doing what he's doing? How did he do that? Why did he say this? Uh, I mean, we, we want to know him. So we read, we don't read because it's a Christian thing to do. We don't pray because it's what we're supposed to do. We've, we've been hit by love and we want to be with this person and we want to know him more. Matthew 13, 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. By God's grace, he's marked this house and we're a people that see Jesus as our treasure and we're, we're willing to sell all by his grace. This is, this is empowerment of the spirit and not just sell all, but actually invest. We actually buy something. We actually get something for all the other stuff we sold and we're letting go of and we're saying it's, man, just give me Jesus. We're actually investing in something. And, and for us, the expression looks like daily loving him and loving others. So I'm gonna give you a few practical things that you can do to just kind of reset your heart, to give yourself to be holding, and just to begin to just take a step this morning toward him. You don't have to try to fix everything, change everything, just take one step. But I really do, I do feel like the Holy Spirit wants us first and foremost to radically surrender all to Jesus. Radical surrender by, the, by his spirit. And if you acknowledge I'm not ready to surrender this thing, then your prayer would be, Lord, help me to be willing to be willing. That's your first step. Like right now, I, I know I could pray the prayer, but I know I really don't mean it. I don't want to let go of this thing. But Lord, if you'll help me to want to want to, I'd be a step in the right direction. But I believe that there's a, a radical selling all to buy this field. Jesus, if Jesus isn't enough in and of himself for you, that's the direction you want to head to where Jesus doesn't have to add something to your life for it to be complete, that you can, you can find your treasure in him. And, and it, it is, there's a journey to this. This is not just, I'm not trying to imply that because you say I'm gonna surrender all, that there's not a process of letting go and process of selling all. Like, you know, Susie's always selling stuff on, market, on, on Marketplace. It takes a while sometimes. Not that that's the biblical, oh my gosh, that'd be horrible. But just saying there is, there's a process involved of getting rid of some things. Some things are really entangled. Sometimes they're relationships that have to, you know, this person is not going where you're going. Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't just 
you decide what you think you need to surrender. Let it be a response of obedience to him because then you'll have the power to do it. I find that most of us put heavier weights on ourselves than the Lord would put on you. Right? We do. We're like, I need to read 25 chapters a day, memorize eight scriptures a week, read two books about the, about the Bible every week, witness to 12 people every hour. And, and the Lord's like, bro. Actually, he's like, bro. That's how he speaks to millennials now. Bro. He's not putting that weight on you. His, his is light and easy. He'll give you a step. He'll give you a next step and a next step. But process with the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to surrender? What's got a hold of my heart? What needs to be removed that's hindering love? Lord, would you reveal it? Secondly, I want to encourage you just to jump in in this corporate fast. Just, just jump in. Let the Holy Spirit lead how you do that. Lastly, I want to encourage you to ask Jesus for a vision of who he wants you to become. Right? This is a game changer because for me, and this is the last thing I'm saying, you can stand to your feet. I've been very open about the, the way God's been changing my heart over the last couple of years. But for many years as a pastor, I had vision for how the church could grow. I had vision for how we could impact the nations. I had vision for people's lives that I could touch and God could use me to help others. I had vision for families that were whole. I had all kinds of vision, no shortage on vision, but very little vision of who I could become. And so now I dream about, man, I could, I could be so in love with Jesus that I don't think twice about sharing the gospel wherever I'm at. God, would you do that in me? Or I'm so saturated in, in him and in his presence, I don't even realize my face is glowing. Lord, make my face glow. Like vision for who you could become. Not so you're the superstar of every situation, but so that you look, what would it look like if, if you looked more like Jesus day by day in a year, in two, in three, what is a vision from God of what you could look like? Maybe you, you dream about, man, I'm so patient with my children that instead of them getting, you know, wrath or discouragement from me, they get tender love and care. Oh God, I could be just like you. Vision for who you can become. Help us, Holy Spirit. So Lord, if you, uh, ask our prayer leaders to come forward. We're just gonna take a few minutes. The band's gonna lead us in a song. But I wanna ask all of us to respond during this time. If you don't respond to the altar for prayer for something, respond with someone with you. What is your next step? Maybe just process, if, if you wanna share with someone, if the Lord did reveal something to you, he wants you to surrender, get light on it. Share with someone that you trust. But Lord, would you help us? We just need your help. Help us to take our next step. Lead the way, Holy Spirit. Let there be no condemnation, guilt, or shame in this house. But let there be sweet conviction, beautiful repentance, and loving, extravagant obedience to you, Lord.